You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. It takes a lot to get wired up for this. I was wired this morning. I didn't realize I had to get physically wired. So, we're going to start with... Our opening prayer is actually going to be verse 2 from chapter 1 of Ephesians. If you look at that, I'm going to give it the Kennedy translation, if you don't mind. That's cool. May the power that was unearned and unmerited move supernaturally in you of the will of God in good favor. And may the power of... Of, that cast out all conflict, all chaos, all fear, move you to a place of tranquility, move you to a place of comfort, and move you to a place of safety. From God our Father to the King of Kings, the glory of glory, our Adonai Jesus, the Messiah. That was that, that's ver, that verse two means. <laughs> you know, several years ago, Rick did a, a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was one of those that thought, man, come on, Rick. We need to be moving more about salvation, relationship with Jesus, and all this. I was kind of one of those that thought, this was going a little bit overboard here. And I was wrong. I didn't understand something. When Jesus, everywhere he went, everywhere he went, it seemed he said the kingdom is here or at hand. Everywhere he went, the kingdom was here. The kingdom was here. And with that, signs and wonders appeared. Healings everywhere. Powerful words everywhere. Everywhere he went, that occurred. Actually, when he sent out the 12, they said the kingdom of God is near not here, because Jesus left them behind. Jesus wasn't with them. So everywhere that Jesus was, was a sign and a wonder. Think about that for a second. His birth was announced to the shepherds is there's a sign of an infant wrapped in strips of cloth. His emergence was a sign. His first miracle at a wedding, the kingdom was here. So what we do is we say, oh, well, the kingdom then went in the ascension, went to heaven, and now let's wait for the second coming and stand around. But what the Pentecost did was it brought the kingdom back, but it brought it in us. Everywhere we go, the kingdom goes. And the evidence of the kingdom should exude from us just like that. Amen. See, I... When I read Ephesians, Ephesians 1, by the way, for a new Christian, is the best book in the world. Um, I saw that every heavenly blessing was mine. And I sat there and thought, okay, uh, what are these blessings? And how do I store them up? And how do I gather them in? And what do they look like? You know, it, I, I kept thinking, you know, is it silver? Is it gold? Is it diamonds? What are these spiritual blessings? And, and I actually tipped a little bit to the idea that, okay, all I have to do is ask for him. Jesus goes and gets it for me. Jesus, I need this. Thanks, Jesus. Next thing I know, I'm ordering Jesus around. Or at least I think I am. 
And I, I, I got everything upside down. Because one thing was, I didn't know what, use the term, the currency of heaven is. I had no idea what it was. I, I'm thinking silver, gold, is it assets, it's got to be something. So then we go to chapter 4 in 1 Peter. Amen. Chapter 4 in 1 Peter, verses 8. We'll start there. It is such a powerful verse. It begins out with love each other deeply. And that word just doesn't get it. Some versions will say, uh, have a, a stronger word. Some, some will, <clears throat> excuse me. Some will say with, with passion. It actually is the same word where it says love each other deeply. It's the same word that was used to describe the passion and the fervency of Jesus' prayers in Gethsemane where he sweat blood. That's the level we're supposed to love one another. Then we're supposed to have offer hospitality without grumbling. So we see two areas of love. We see agape love, then we see brotherly love. And once we're founded in that, what he's saying is be transformed by the Spirit in us and reflect the fruits of the Spirit as we go out and now the next verses 10 and 11 it talks about alright let's go back to 10 okay it says each of you has a gift now this version doesn't use the word steward <coughs> Oh, yeah, it does. Okay, good. We're stewards of all the gifts of heaven. The currency of heaven is grace. Yes. Every spiritual blessing that we get is the multitude, multicolored, if you will, face of grace. And we are stewards of grace. What is a steward? A steward doesn't own it. He takes it for, he manages it for his master and distributes it. So when I was asking the question about every spiritual blessing in heaven, I'm not running Jesus anywhere. He's coming to me and says, I've got a whole bunch of grace and this person needs it. I'm using you. Drop it on in there. And we are active participants in the kingdom Every day. Every day is supernatural for us. First of all, our transformation is supernatural. Our salvation is supernatural. Why in the world do we suddenly pull back when, we, when the supernatural, when God gives us a mission, would be any different? This is our role, is to take all the grace of heaven and distribute it as business partners yeah. in the kingdom of heaven. Because we are no longer slaves, we are friends. And we're business partners in the kingdom. And so all that flow comes through us. That's why it's, it breaks it up. Those who have words speak like Jesus. Do you understand what that means? That the heart of Jesus flows through us and can touch the heart of someone else. How powerful can that be? What I love about Peter is he doesn't describe them. He just says words. 
We spend too many, is that a word of wisdom? Is that a prophecy? Is that, is that, you know, don't worry about that. Words, as soon as you speak, speak like Jesus speaks. And then let that flow. Tap into that. Jesus can't wait to talk to everyone. And then if it's works or service, let that be of the power of Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean you can't use your own power and do something nice for someone. But if you want power, and if you want to show the kingdom, let that power come through. Whether it be healing, I'll tell you what, you just do a physical chore for someone and you'll have supernatural strength. Now that night, you'll go, what was that? But all the way through it, you will have supernatural strength if you're going through God. Because we're first using the power, then we're going and pressing in with it. If we press first and go, uh-oh, can I have some power? Usually it doesn't work the right way. We first seek the power, and then we press in. And this becomes our role in the kingdom. That's so incredible. I'm, the first time I really started ca capturing this whole concept that the currency of heaven is grace, and that we're to distribute all the grace of heaven, it really just moved me. Because then I go from there to Matthew. Now, if you remember, you got Matthew 23, woe this, woe that, woe that, woe that. Then we get to the 24, it comes to the, the uh, end of the temple, the end times. Then it goes from there to you don't know the hour or the time. Then it goes to the ten virgins, of having a relationship well established. Then it goes to what? The talents. Do you remember the story of the talents? Yeah. Now, what are the talents? Talent is essentially a measure of gold. So it would normally be one bag per talent. So he gave one, five bags. The other one, two bags. The other one, one bag. Gold. Now he's talking about end times. He's talking about kingdom. What is the currency of heaven? Grace. One has five bags of grace. One has two, one has one. What does a steward do? His job is to make sure all the assets go to the right place, and he's also supposed to invest them wisely and make them multiply. So he wants that grace distributed to multiply into the world. Amen. All right? So he gives Marcus grace. Yes. Marcus accepts Christ, and he becomes the multiplier of grace. Woo. So he wants that grace multiplied, but one of them buried it in a hole. He didn't even put it on display. He buried it in a hole. And what did he use as his excuse? I was afraid. I was afraid to distribute your grace, Master. Here's your grace back. You know what? We've all been afraid. How many of you are afraid to go up to someone and pray for healing? It's a little nerve-wracking because there's a yes or no right there. But you know what the problem is? I. I might look like I'm a fool, and I might not look like I'm holy enough. I might, if we come into that and go, okay, here's a grace. I'm the conduit. This is about the glory of God. Because everything that flows is about the glory of God. And if what happens, happens, and it's God's glory. Now, if I've followed those steps, and I'm not saying it's a routine, but if I enter this into lo with love, 
I have a genuine concern. I genuinely care about the person I'm about to speak to. And I pray with that person and ask for the blessing of having to come through. And nothing happens. That never happens. Something always happens because your heart is changed by someone who absolutely shows compassion and concern for you and begins to pray for you. Whether the physical healing happens or not, part of you is made whole. Part of you is restored. Part of you is changed. And your sore foot, back, shoulder may not have been altered at all, but you are changed. You will walk differently after that's happened. I don't care who you are, when someone expresses that kind of love to you, you don't care. When you have a heart to speak to someone and say, I have a word for you that Jesus says, and you're saying, oh gosh, what if it, what if it doesn't apply? You're worried about you. God has something for that person. Release it. We pull back. That's where the fear is. You know, the, since we're talking about Peter here, probably the best example of all of this is in Acts. It begins in chapter 3. Peter's walking with John and they come up to the temple and there's a, a person there that's been crippled from birth. We later learn on he's 40 years old. And up they walk and he says, look at me. Do you remember this? Why is that important? Because a beggar could never look the person in the eye. He'd always have to be hunched down in a supplication type thing like, oh, I'm unworthy. And then you toss a couple of coins and move on. He couldn't touch you. If he touched you, he was in trouble. So he says, look at me. Now we have con contact. I'm looking at you as man to man, so to speak. Not cripple to I'm superior, man to man. And what's he telling? The currency of heaven is not silver and gold. What is the currency? Because what I have, I'll give you, which is grace. He takes him by the hand. He touches him and lifts him up. He's restored. He's dancing. I mean, he's, a, he's just so excited. He's beyond belief. What is, he said, the word here is restored. More than healed. What has happened? He's regained his identity, his dignity as a man. He's gained more than his legs. He's gained everything by being lifted up. And then we, we, we see that it causes a commotion. And so now we have love first, the power of God. Now, is there a multiplication? We learn right afterwards, after Peter gives a speech, that the crowd goes to 5,000 believers from three at Pentecost. You understand what's going on here? This is about 60 days or so after Jesus has risen from the dead. And maybe a week or so after Pentecost. But it doesn't say specifically, but just based on those numbers, it probably is. So think of it this way. This is June. Yes. Very end of March was Easter. This is about the same time frame. That's how soon this is. All right? So in come the police, if you want to call it that, the, the, the temple guard, and they go to arrest him. Sixty days after this same temple guard arrested Jesus. And they throw him in a prison, probably a same prison Jesus was in temporarily. Now what's Peter thinking here? 
It was a nice life, but it's over. And all of a sudden, how, how can you not? He's about to go on trial. And you know who he's going to go look at? Annas. What's the other guy's name? What's that? Never mind. Annas. <laughs> Caiaphas. And, and these are the guys that, that turned Jesus over to the Romans. Oh, my goodness. He has got to be looking at that one saying, no way. I'm doomed. Am I right or am I wrong? But the power of the Holy Spirit says no. He goes into them and has a whole different story. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. Rulers and elders of the people, we are being called to account today for an act of kindness to a cripple. And are asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus, the Messiah, the Nazarene. We always put Christ. They clearly heard him say, the anointed one, the Messiah. Whom you crucified, whom God, the same God of Israel, raised from the dead. This man stands before you restored. Now that says healed. It, the word is restored. He's the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. He's pointing right to them and says, here's prophecy. He came, you rejected him. But he does something more than that, though. Salvation is found in none, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Here is Israel, chosen people, the highest of the high priest. And Peter, a fisherman who can't read or write, has just given him the path of salvation. And actually, it doesn't come across the way in the English, but he has offered him the path of salvation. How powerful is this? This is the guy who's supposed to get killed by these people. And he turns right around and says, my that Jesus, the guy you killed. Now these guys, they know the rumors about all the, the sightings of Jesus. They know the grave was empty. They don't know what's going on with this. They probably have already heard about the Pentecost day where 3,000 people have come to become followers of Jesus. And they've already heard the commotion that happened in the temple where another 2,000 came. And so they're like, but they got a problem. They're like, cripple that's 40 years old standing right next to him, kind of leaning on Peter. <laughs> the sign of wonder proves to them that the word that they give is the word of God. They can't deny it. There's the guy. Our signs and wonders give validity to, the, if we're using the words of God, they give validity to God's word. Not our word. We don't need validity. What we're doing is we're doing the work of the kingdom. God's word gets validity. God's power and the experience of that power gets validity. That's what really is life-changing, is as we move this way. Then, so Peter gets Actually, they tell him, don't speak of Jesus anymore, and he tells them, no, forget that. Right to their face. He says, who am I? I'm, I'm going to follow God, not you. And he still releases him. He goes back to the, to the, other, the other members of the church. 
And, and you know what's probably going to happen. They're all going to start praying. They're going to say, all right, God, where were you? You left us hanging. And do something about these people. And just calm Peter down. Tell him to keep it cool till about, you know, Christmas. You know, okay, they don't celebrate Christmas. but don't know. That's not at all what they did. They instantly said, as one voice began to glorify God. I don't think we have that one. It says, on the release, this is on verse 23 of chapter 4. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported to the that the chief priest, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign God, they said. This is a different word for sovereign. This is a word from which we get actually the word uh, despot. This means God is so in control, he takes advice from nobody, it's him and him alone. That's what they're saying. You made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. They're just glorifying the essence of who's in control of this whole show here. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against against his anointed one. The prophecy of Psalm 2. Now think about what they're doing. They're almost mocking. Who do these guys really think they're playing with? Is kind of what they're saying. What silliness. Why are they wasting their time? Do they think that they can push against the anointed one? Against the God that created everything? And then they come back and go, Indeed, Herod, king. Pontius Pilate, ruler. Met together with the nations to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus. They're answering the prophecy whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What he's saying is their plan didn't work. Jesus' plan worked. He just brought them along. They think that they did something. Jesus did it all. And this is more than just with forethought. You know, sometimes we think about that, that uh, foresight versus foreknowledge. Foresight is, I know what's going to happen, and I, like as if I had a crystal ball. Foreknowledge is, I know what's going to happen because I've been there and I was active in that time. Because Jesus is timeless. So his foreknowledge is more than foresight. So his, the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus was in the role before it started. But now, Lord, consider their th- threats Now, remember I said he's going to send them out someplace until about Christmas. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. After all this, let us be bolder. That wasn't enough. Oh, my. Then he says this. Stretch your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Let your kingdom flow. And let it flow through, I'm quoting these people, through us. And allow us to be really bold. 
and fear nothing because we know who the sovereign Lord is. We know who's in control. That even the most disastrous thing we ever saw, which was the death and the, the, the the death of Jesus Christ was overturned by God and he was the one that was having his rule done, not them. Not the King Herod, not any of these guys had their rule, Jesus had his rule. And that's what we're, that they're asking us to walk in. That's astonishing. Think about this, through these gifts, we find our niche or our place in the eternal unfolding of God's glory. That's our role. I mean, what could be more thrilling or joyful or more meaningful than existing solely for the revelation of the Father through Jesus Christ and our role in that? And he has equipped us with power. He's equipped us with far more than words of our own doing. Because the moment we begin to think that our faith is based on what has been written solely, and we forget that, it, that the experience of the power of our faith is what motivates us and trusts the promises of Jesus Christ, then we move without any fear. Because what could possibly make us more nervous than if it's just about us? When it's about Jesus, it's all, it's all a different animal. I'm going to admit I have not been walking like this for a long time. But it's fun now. <laughs> so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come right now. Oh, yes. Holy Spirit, come. If anyone here has been fighting with some unforgiveness and you're having trouble with the loving, we're going to ask you, Father, come right now. Bring the Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name. Bring him now. If, if, if your unforgiveness is an institution, we say, Jesus, bring forgiveness. You're mad at the IRS, you're mad at a bank, you're mad at a political party. We say, Jesus, bring forgiveness so you can flow. If, you're, if you've never felt the absolute power of forgiveness in yourself, we say, Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, bring the Holy Spirit. Allow it to come. Allow us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow us to see ourselves as a vessel of the power of the kingdom of heaven. Allow us to be one that flows directly through. Allow us to touch every heart, every person we come into contact because we carry the kingdom with us. Let the Spirit come. Let it flow through us. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, the gift that we've been given through Jesus Christ, we ask, empower us. Bring power. Bring wisdom. Bring knowledge. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.